So, we're going to start with a boy that was born on the 28th of June, 1491. That may give a clue to some historians in the room, but most of you will be like, what on earth are you talking about? Anyway, uh, when he was 10, his brother died, and his brother left a widow. When he was 17, he married the widow, and uh, that was shortly after he was made king. Now, this, this boy wasn't uh, really a, a Christian his whole life, but God used him to bring about change. Um, his name was Henry VIII, and he was a bit of a looker. He had quite a few wives, as you can see. As you can see, power and fame does a lot for uh, someone. Um, so, anyway. It's got, well... I think it's more the artist sort of, you know, just made them, uh, probably sprouting everywhere. Um, when he was about in his mid-40s, um, he decided, well, I've got no sons. I need to get sons. My wife, who was a little bit older, Catherine, well, is uh, unable to have children anymore. I need some sons. So he wanted to uh, divorce her. But, of course, they were linked to the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church did not like divorce. And so he decided to break from the Catholic Church. And he took all of England with him, which is kind of a, a bad reason to break from the Catholic Church, but it did allow the English Reformation and for English people to freely worship God the way they wanted. So there was some good from that horrible situation. Also along that, alongside that, Bibles were starting to be printed in English. So the common people could read the Bible for themselves wasn't filtered through some top-down approach, they could see what happened. Of course, this led to sort of widespread chaos because people were interpreting the Bible in any way they wanted. And so the monarch in the mid-1600s said, right, we need to get a council together to sort out what the Bible actually says. And they uh, created the Westminster Confession of Faith, and they also created the Westminster Shorter Catechism, um, which sort of was a question-answer type thing so that people could get the right uh, understanding of the Bible. The first question was this one. What is the chief end of man? And some of, well, some of you would have heard this. Chief end meaning what is our top priority? What, is, what are we here for? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That was the chief end of man. And that pretty much sums up where we've come from and where we're heading. The purpose. Purpose is the why. Why we do things. It answers the question, why do we exist? Why do we exist as a church? It's the guiding principle that shapes the actions and decisions and provides a sense of meaning and direction. It stays the same over time. So the purpose stays the same. Now, this is a hot air balloon. Now, hot air balloons, like, usually when people are in them, they go to a maximum of 3,000 feet. Look that one up on Google. Now, one thing I find weird is that we go into the supermarket and we buy potatoes and all those kind of things, and they're always in kgs. You know, and yet, when um, Gwendolyn down the road has a child, someone says, oh, she was, she was eight pounds. That's a good good size, or, or maybe someone might say, oh, yes, uh, ooh, 10 pounds, that was a hard one, 
Oh, oh six pounds, we need to look after that one. And I'm like, we never use pounds. In, our, in all our life, we use pounds. And I was sitting in a plane yesterday back from Christchurch, and the guy came over the intercom and said, uh, yes, we're cruising at 39,000 feet, the weather in Auckland. I was like, 39,000 feet? What is that? You know, I, I do everything in kilometres, metres. It's crazy. Anyway, 3,000 feet. So I'm going to sort of take a view of history as if we're looking at it from sort of a hot, hot air balloon. We're looking down at the periods of history, we went, what we've been through. Um, with this at the top of everything, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Humans have only had one state in which this has actually happened without any hindrances, and that's at creation. The only time that we've been truly with God, walking with him with no barriers whatsoever. But then there was the fall. And from creation to Moses, there was a thing called the patriarchal period, which is a period where we had a whole bunch of fathers. You read it about in the Bible. You had Noah, you had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the brothers. And then it got to Moses, and the Mosaic period was typified by the law. The law, which was brought in, and the law was in place as the system that God had for the earth until Christ. Now, some of you might not know why Jesus came to earth here. Might be a few of you. Jesus came to earth to save us. 1 Timothy 1.15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The law let us know that we're sinners. We don't follow the law. The law lets us know that we're sinners. We come to Christ. And then Christ ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and we are currently in the church period. Now, for thousands of years, people have thought that we're, there's a little laser thing, that we're right there. Jesus is just about to come for all of church history that everyone has been prepared that's been in the church. But there is a time when Jesus will come again, and it says we will receive new bodies that have no sin in them, thank goodness, and that we'll have a new heaven and a new earth, and that period will be like the first period, where we will be able to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, one of the greatest things I think of... Uh, when I think of that time, is just, oh, man, I'm so so glad I'm just rid of sin. And I'm not talking about like looking at the news and, oh, look at those people dancing or whatever. I'm talking about my sin in myself. It's just such a battle continually. And to have that freedom to just worship God without that would be amazing. Okay, so we're going to zoom in a little bit now to the church period. Christ ascended in 33 AD, and we're not quite at new heavens and new earth yet, so we're in the church period. And there, I have heard a few people say in the, in the past, oh, look, I wish I was back in the time of Acts. Man, that would be awesome. You know, the Holy Spirit, people doing things. But what you've got to remember, reading the letters of the New Testament, the New Testament church was full of sin, full of problems from the very start. It hasn't been a, a, 
a good ride for us, similar to today's church. Now, you might be saying to me, look, Ben, there's tons of just different churches, right? It's not just like one church. There's Wainui Beach Church, Mangapapa, House of Breakthrough, all these other churches. How do we know which ones are right and which ones are wrong? So, I prov- provided um, sort of a, a target with, with primary, secondary, and tertiary beliefs, and I'm going to do a bit of teaching because I actually teach. So, um, so sorry, you're going to have to actually learn. Thank you, Shah. One of you is happy. The rest of you are like, oh, I gave up school. Now I have to come back to school. Done. All right. So there are primary beliefs that you have to believe to be a Christian. If you do not believe them, you are not a Christian. One of them is the Trinity. The Trinity. You have to have a right belief about the Trinity. And I'm not going to use any sort of metaphors about eggs or ice or water or steam. But the basic thing about the Trinity is that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one is God. So together they are God. And that's as far as we can go from Scripture. All else is sort of, you know, trying to create an idea. And we haven't really got our minds around it, and we probably never will. Um, there is something I heard the other day which sounded a bit, and you know, because I, I'm at a Christian schools conference the last couple of days, a little bit like modalism. Ooh, everyone should be, ooh, modalism. And that, that's when people come up to you and they're sort of like, well, you know, you're a father, but you're also a son, and you're also a brother. And that's a bit like the Trinity. And it's like, no, because you're saying that God the Father became the Son and then became the Holy Spirit. That means that in John 17, who was Jesus praying to? Himself. It's bizarre. And at, at the baptism of Jesus, you had the Father speaking to the Son and you had the Holy Spirit descending on him. Try to work that one out. So, a right view of this Trinity. The second one is Jesus is God. You have to accept that Jesus is God. Um, in, and I, I might offend a few people, but these people need the gospel. The Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was a created being. They do not believe that he is God. And so they need the gospel, but sometimes you just got to deal with harsh truths. Also, scripture. Scripture is the word of God. Okay, so if you find anyone from different churches around, they believe, there's probably another bunch of these primary things, But if they believe those things, then they are Christian. You go, hey, cool. Then there are secondary beliefs. And this is often the reason why some people might leave church. Um, Sprinkle or dunk. (laughs) It's a little bit colloquial, isn't it? Okay, so, yeah. Uh, there There are certain churches that believe that babies should be baptized. Certain people that, churches that believe that, you know, and I think this is one, thinking about what you've done with your daughter and everything, that, you know, it's a full dunk, full dunking. And, um, and you've got to, and my personal belief, you've got to actually know what you're doing. You've got to put your trust in Jesus, know what you're doing, and then get dunked. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a Christian, new Christian, and you haven't been dunked, then I would recommend it. Sorry, it's very colloquial. It's baptism, okay? For those of you who are still like, what are they talking about? Like some kind of like ice cream 
Anyway, <clears throat> um, gifts of the Spirit. Uh, there are some some churches that believe that um, speaking of tongues was done away with, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years ago or, or around the time of Acts. Um, and so there's differences in belief in that. Uh, church structure, sometimes church structure, some people believe church should be done a certain way in the structure. It uh, doesn't mean that these people aren't Christians. It just means that they've got sort of different beliefs and those things. And then you've got the tertiary beliefs, which are things like uh, the style of worship. It was a bit loud today. <laughs> That's not what no one in here has actually said. Uh, style of worship is a tertiary thing. Some, it's not something you should leave the church for. Seriously. Um, interpretations of various scriptures. There are some that, are, that could go either way. It doesn't really make a big difference on things. But some people, like, they've got a they're real... I've got to see what I say here because I can't say Nickerson or not. Um, but they, they, there's these certain scriptures and, they've, and you have to believe it this way. Otherwise, oh, crikey, you're not doing things right. Um, end times views, um, you know, arguments about what Babylon means in Revelation 18 when it's being dunked in the sea and it's being destroyed. Um, the city on seven hills, which one is that? Uh, whether the Pope's the Antichrist... Um, those kind of sort of tertiary sort of things that they're not really affecting anything. So those are, those are things that... But basically, you've got to look at the primary beliefs. The primary beliefs are what make people Christian. So there's a long segue, speaking of segue. So um, I looked up segue because I thought it was just S-E-G-W-A-Y. But that's the actual um, like thing that you write on. It's not actually. This is that's the actual way to spell it. Strangely, yeah. I was like, I've got to get this right. You learn something. See, even when you're old, like me, with eyebrows sprouting everywhere, you can still learn things. That's the great thing about it. Okay, so uh, citizens and ambassadors and. What is a citizen? Anyone know? What is it? What's a citizen? You're a citizen of New Zealand, aren't you? Yes? Not. You're not? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that helped in the, the 2019 World Cup when you're South Africa won. You're like, well, I'm still a citizen of that country. I won. <laughs> citizen. So you go through a citizenship ceremony. Who's been through one of those ceremonies before? Ken, you have. What do you have to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag? No. <laughs> to the queen. Right, well, the king now, I suppose. King Charles. Um, yeah, so citizen, you're part of that country. So you can go on an overseas trip. Hands up if you're going on an overseas trip in the next year. Is anyone going on an overseas trip? Right, so you'll go to those countries, but you'll still be a citizen of New Zealand. You're part of that country. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So we are citizens of New Zealand, legally, but when you become a born-again Christian, you become a citizen in heaven. 
Now, there's two different ways to see yourself. You can see yourself as an alien, um, not obviously ET, um, but an alien, sort of a, you've come to, you're, you're staying here, you look at the news, you get really frustrated and annoyed because they're doing some parade last month, or, you know, like, and it really starts to frustrate you, all these, you almost feel isolated and trapped, like, oh, I'm stuck in this world and it's doing all this stuff. But there's another way to look at it, which is down the bottom there, which is ambassador. It says in 1 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So they're not, we're not trapped in this strange world without a purpose. We have a purpose. We're an ambassador. We've got a job. When we have an ambassador from New Zealand and England, they've got a job to do. They get resources and help from home. They get resource from there. Similar to us, we're ambassadors in this world from heaven. We get resources from heaven to help us here. And it doesn't matter, if you're a born-again Christian, it doesn't matter your age. You might think to yourself, Oh, I'm getting a bit older. I've got nothing to offer anymore. Doesn't matter. Are you breathing? Yes. Okay, you had breath to say yes. You're breathing. Therefore, you are an ambassador of Christ. You don't lose that title just because you get to a certain age. We need you. Everyone in this church needs you. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a few personal things that we have to look at under Christ. And we'll go through them. And they all have to align with Christ. So there's relationships and family life. And some of you probably, looking at the statistics, have been deeply hurt by a family member in your history. Most probably. Jesus said, love your enemies. And sometimes that's quite true in your family as well. He also said, forgive as you have been forgiven. Now, some, uh, this word may be for someone in here, but forgiving does not mean you have to trust that person again. Okay? So, if, you're, if you've been hurt by someone, you do not have to trust that person again. That's not what forgiveness means. There's probably a whole sermon you could do about that. Beliefs and doctrine, that goes without saying. We look through those primary, secondary, and tertiary beliefs. Uh, personal choices and lifestyle. We live in the age of personal choice and lifestyle. Do what you want. Follow your heart. Your personal choice and lifestyle has to come under Christ as an ambassador of Jesus, as a sort of a, a citizen of heaven. Cultural beliefs, the hot topic. Ooh, should we go there? Your cult, you can bring your cultural beliefs with you. That was really good, Siossi and Carl, bringing that to the fore at the start of what you said. But your cultural beliefs have to come under Christ. And that means in any culture, in the culture that I'm in as a New Zealand European, if I stick up for what Christ believes in, then I am going to come up against opposition. There's going to be some kind of conflict you're going to have. But the choice is to follow Christ. And finally, worldviews. 
One of the biggest uh, worldviews that has affected every single person in the West for the last 20 years and, it, and has been, gone more and more is something called tolerance. And I'll say this once, but tolerance is not a Christian virtue. It's not, not a Christian virtue. There's a lot of like confusion, should we be nice? Yes. But tolerance is not a Christian virtue. Media and the social media make it hard to align our worldview with Christ. But that's what we have to do. Okay, so moving along to the church. And it comes down to this. This is the overarching statement. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's where we want to get people to. Because it's only through Christ that we can get there. So... There are a number of different purposes and things that the church does to achieve that goal. There's proclamation of the gospel. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's what Jesus said. That's one of our purposes. Because the gospel is the power of God that brings people to salvation. Romans 1.17. Proclaiming the gospel. Worshipping God, we look up the top there, glorify God, worshipping God is very similar. Psalm 95 verse 6, O come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Teaching and discipleship, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. These are commands given by Jesus, who is the centre of Christianity. Baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, dunking them. And the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Ministry and service. And we heard a great sermon a couple of weeks back about hospitality. Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Gifts and edification. 1 Corinthians 12.7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Kirk spoke last week, encourage, equip, edify. And that lines up with what we've seen through, through these uh, five points. And of course, prayer. Prayer go, covers the whole lot. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And Kirk was talking last week about the importance of prayer. Okay, so we've looked at purpose, and now we look at vision. Purpose is why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Vision is what do we want to become? So it refers to a compelling and aspirational picture of the future that the church strives to achieve. It's a picture of the future. It provides the how by linking to the future. And I know Kirk and Mal are going to talk in the next couple of weeks about vision. They're going to tie all of these things together. So we've got these five things together. And we could, could just look at that and go, wow, that's a, a cool picture. You know, like, where do we fit in there? What, what, how do we do it? But the vision shows us how we do it. 
Purpose provides the foundation. Vision paints a picture of the destination. And of course, going back to that other slide, the vision is always Christ. We're always looking forward to where we're going, Jesus coming back, and what we can do to get there. So I'll finish off with a little story. Now, at school, and you probably won't believe it, but um, at school I was actually very average. <laughs> Elliot was probably in the in the um, uh, you know the top class all through it. Me, I struggled to get fifty percent. Back then they had percents for those young people who deal in credits. Um, you know I scraped a B bursary. I sort of fluffed around just quietly. I repeated sixth form. Um, and I sort, of, I sort of carried that brilliant attitude onto university because of, I lived in Palms North and I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to go and get a job. I'll go to university. So I, I went to university and this is the stupid reasoning that I had. I thought to myself, I really like computer games. I'm going to do IT. And of course I hated IT. And so I failed that and etc, etc. But all the way through, when I started university, I decided I was going to read. And I started reading books and novels, and I, I think I spent a summer reading about 20 Alan Gunderson trailer novels, which, you know, are linked to the Bible, and um, started to actually improve my English ability, which was atrocious at school. Oh, my goodness. 50% Elliot. <laughs> I actually got 46 in... Um, in seventh form, 46%, but they had that brilliant thing called the bell curve, and that like pulled me up just over 51. Thank you. But halfway through my university career, um, I decided I'd do a switch, and I'd switch to, because I've been reading a lot, I'd switch to English literature, which I found really interesting. And I thought, right, I'm gonna get a degree in English literature. And just like that, a switch was flicked. And suddenly I started getting B pluses and A's and all these kind of things. And I, was, and I finished with a degree in English literature, which has nothing to do with IT. But it's really cool. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is I got into the zone, which is the zone for like, this is where, I, you know, this, I'm really enjoying this. This is what I'm meant to do. And, and we can, at church, uh, because church is often a, a bit of a needy beast, um, we, can, we can just sort of say, oh, well, I'll help out over there because well, no one else is going to do it, you know, and I'll, okay, I'll help out with the kids' church and whatever. We can, we can get into that sort of mode. But in the church, there is something, because if you're a born-again Christian, there is something that you're meant to be doing. 1 Corinthians 12 is very clear that we are a body and we all have a function. And some of you have probably been a bit like me in the past, sort of sitting there going, what am I meant to do? You know, I'm sitting there, I help out a bit, you know, doing the coffee or whatever, but there's something I'm meant to be doing, some zone that I need to get into. And when you do it, then you'll be, something will click and you'll be like, yes, that's what I'm meant to be doing. I know that with Ella, she sort of clicked with that, with that alpha group, you know, helping the teenagers. She really loves it. 
And sometimes it takes getting out of your comfort zone and trying different things in the church. I know that you guys are going to be doing some vision over the next couple of weeks, but my call to you is just to get on board. Get on board. Find the zone that gets you going in church. There will be something. You can guarantee it. Okay, so we're going to finish, but I'm just going to call people for prayer. So the first call is for if you have never sort of been in church, or you've sort of been at church, but you don't really know what it's all about. And the call is for salvation. Jesus Christ died on the, on the cross for your sins. If you need to be saved, come up the front. Uh, the second call is for if you've been floating along in church for a long time, but you don't really know sort of where you're, where you're meant to be. You're, you know, you're sort of, there's a jigsaw puzzle and you're the piece that's always sort of like a little bit colourless and you can't quite fit it in and don't know. There is a place for you in the Christian church. If you're a born-again Christian, there is a place for you. And so if you want prayer for that, come up for that. I'm going to play Be Thou My Vision. And uh, thank you.